All right, we are recording. So I'm talking to Matt Wensing. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, it is. All right. Well, hello. How are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having <laughs> me on. Thanks for coming on. As of this recording, I haven't released any episodes yet, so I appreciate you coming on. So who knows if this podcast is any good? Early <laughs> investor. <it> is. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you're working on Summit right now, right? Do you want to tell me quickly? how you think of Summit right now, which I think listening sure. to your podcast has, has kind of changed over time, right? Yeah, it definitely has. So Summit's my second startup. Uh, I've been I've been building sites and coding for the last probably 20 years or so. Um, and so skipping over the first one, I started working on Summit in 2019 full-time. Uh, I've raised a little bit of seed money to keep it going along the way and really have been pursuing the opportunity to build a, a better tool uh, for modeling. And so what I mean by modeling is um, think of things like financial models, customer acquisition, growth, cash flow, maybe inventory if you're in e-commerce, uh, or even calculators like a mortgage calculator, personal financial calculator, retirement planner. So essentially things where if you're putting it into a spreadsheet, you'd be putting time in the columns along the x-axis, right? So think about that as a model, um, a time-oriented model. And Summit is a flexible environment for building those. It's really no code and visual. And that's uh, where I'm at today. We've got, um, we do have revenue and uh, we're focusing this year essentially on finishing some of the most uh, critical customer requests, kind of finishing the product, if you will, and then really turning our attention to how do we scale this. Cool. And then you've pivoted a few times, right? So kind of that's like the current, right? Yeah. But it started off as something similar, but not exactly like that. Yeah, it started out as um, well. I had this need, and the the shape of the need was a financial planning product or app. You know, I just I needed something to put in my numbers, hit a button, and get answers back. And so I, I kind of called it the like a vending machine for a financial forecast. Basically, I want to just put in some numbers, hit a button, and I right. get a financial forecast. <laughs> and I started out there, and really the journey from 2019 to now has been just abstracting it more and more because I realized users needed more flexibility to the point where now Summit is actually really, it's powered by a language which we created called Summit Event Language. And th that was really the only way to give users total flexibility is to give them the ability to essentially author their own models from scratch. Um, so it, it was, it's been a journey, but mostly responding to the market telling me that, you know, people, <laughs> people um, are used to just tons of flexibility. And if you built a product like that before where, you know, you have a choice, like a fork in the road, you can either keep building feature after feature after feature, and you build this bloatware basically, <laughs> or you focus on flexibility and give the user their own ability to express these, you know, this long tail of needs. Do you see uh, like a common use case for it right now with your users right now, or is it just kind of all over the place? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a good one. I think mostly it's people working with um, dollars and cents, wanting to get that into something. It's the same job to be done that you might reach for a spreadsheet and say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to think through our personal finances, or I'm going to think through my business runway, or I'm going to think through. And so um, out of our roughly 450 active monthly users, I'd say the majority are founders. Um, a lot of them are technical, some non-technical. 
And I think it's just where they go to think through their business models, really. Yeah, that makes sense. I've opened yeah. up a Summit account of my own and just been trying to hack away at it too. Um, cool. And on the free tier, because I know like, you know, I have the Stripe data, which I could pull in too, right? It seems like but I haven't mm-hmm. tried that out yet. Yeah. I, I have this weird thing, and I think Peter's going to run into this too, where I have a freemium model on mm-hmm. uh, on Chipper CI. And like, I'm not sure how to model that yet because the, the stock mm-hmm. one for solving for growth is the one I played with, um, has free trials in there. And I'm like, it's not really trials. It's kind of like, mm. you just yeah. have the account on the free tier. You could definitely do that. I should build a, uh, should build a little freemium uh, template or example, as we call it, and uh, right. show you how to do that. But that is actually one of the things that is so fun about Summit, uh, or others, I mean, say is fun, is that when you're dealing with, so it's a simulation on the back end, and simulations are really nice, um, it's a nice approach when you're wrestling with something like freemium. Why? Because freemium is really, uh, there's two kinds of freemium. One is like a river of freemium where people can sign up for free, use it for free. And then they kind of go through a customer journey that finishes and the river, you know, the river, so to speak, either leads them to upgrade or they fall out, right? They basically go back into the oceans, like catch and release kind of thing. Right. Or you have freemium that's more like a pool which is just like this endlessly growing base of free users who will use it from time to time. It's like DocuSign or something like that. And like, event- of course, because they're always going to need to sign something, there's no end to that. And then eventually they upgrade. And when you think about modeling something like that in Excel or a spreadsheet, it kind of, I don't know, it divides by zero in my mind because you're like, well, <laughs> how, do I re- how do I express the fact that these people are like moving through this like, these pipelines or this plumbing, right, of my business. And that's where if you're dealing with queues, uh, if you're dealing with pipelines or flows or quantities of things like inventory, that's where simulation is just a much better approach because you can kind of see the flow of things going through that as opposed to kind of discreetly dealing with just these grids and rows and columns where things are so discrete and kind of inanimate, right, Uh, static. So, yeah. That's neat. So like, um, so in this example I have, like it has the months in the bottom after I run the simulation, March, April, May, mm-hmm. June, and you can kind of see how, how numbers change or grow or shrink over time, which I mm-hmm. kind of seems like what you mean there, right? Exactly. Like it's going through the pipeline. So you see how, how it reacts to your changes, I guess. Right. So if you say like, if you adjust your pricing, you can see how, how much MRR might go up or down. Yeah. And this might be a, it might be a good segue to, um, to Chipper CI because I think the, the benefit of the way this is this is this is capturing things is yes they're numbers and they're going up but what's really happening behind the scenes is those numbers are being treated as a as a volume as a quantity as a what we call a stock internally so what it means is there's like a finite number of those dollars right or those numbers there's a finite number of users right and so you can very easily get to a um representation of constraints like what is constraining my business because you know, there's a finite amount of stuff in the model. And mm-hmm. if you move it through the model in a certain way, you can find these bottlenecks, right? Or these constraints where you just can't get more revenue. You can't increase your top line for some reason. No matter how much you pour in the top, you can't get your top line to go up. <laughs> and it's right. because you're you're leaking, you know, these these subscribers out. And that's like, obviously, that's how our business actually behaves in the real world. And if you read Posts by venture capitalists like Tom Tungas of Redpoint um, and others, like, is this really awesome question 
and it might be a good one for you here with chippers. I'm just gonna throw it out. It's like, you know, at any given point in time, there's some agent, some reactants, if you will, that's limiting your growth. Like that's the limiting factor, right? And it's almost like nothing else, certainly nothing else matters as much, but to some extent, nothing else really matters, especially if you have a limited amount of time to focus on the business. So, right. you know, I really, I really enjoy this, this approach over a spreadsheet because it doesn't, it gives you the ability to enforce those constraints and say, wow, yeah, this, this is the limiting factor. Like if this, if this doesn't increase, the whole rest of the thing doesn't work, right? And it um, right. kind of keep you honest, right? Neat. Okay. Also scary. <laughs> facing that. <laughs> well, yeah, right. Exactly. Not using it's, the it's, product it's, is scary, but scary like facing the reality yeah. of, of like, you know, what's going on in the business. Totally. Totally. I think, what does they say? You know, give somebody a spreadsheet and enough time and they'll come out with whatever numbers they, they want, you know, <laughs> they want, yeah. um, and, and, and you could, you can do that with summit, but it definitely, you know, like with any programming language, you know, if you're using Perl, you're going to be drawn towards regexes. If you're using Python, you're going to be drawn towards string find and replace. Right. And I think, um, mm-hmm. summit is trying to steer people by having an opinion on these things is trying to steer people towards that kind of intellectual honesty about constraints and limiting factors so that you can know where to prioritize your attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, one kind of random question randomly, I saw a recent tweet of yours where you said, um, you think you finally found an exciting intersection of what the market wants summit to be and what you want to build. And I don't know if you said you're you're building a marketing page towards that idea right now. Is that right? Yeah. uh, What's the idea there? What have you discovered? Yeah. So, um, thanks. Th- <laughs> that's, that's good. Good find, man. That's, <laughs> I, I appreciate your, you being ready, uh, and loving that one. So yeah. we, as, as you know, cause you've been listening to the out of beta podcast where I've been just sharing this roller coaster and hopefully there's a condensed version at some point, <laughs> but the two year version getting to the place where, okay, so we built this really flexible thing what's the use of a flexible thing like in the world? Like what can that, what can be done with that? And what we discovered is that we're never going to be able to convince people. So because it is a language, because it's a development environment, um, we're never going to be able to convince most people to learn that language, right? Just like most people aren't going to choose a programming language you invent tomorrow. It's going to take a very, very long time for that to happen. What else can we do? And what we found is that even though not everybody wants to necessarily learn the language, a lot of people want to use the models and apps that people can build with the language. So you may not want to build your own model from scratch, but like a mortgage calculator or a startup runway calculator, those are existing models and you may want to just come in and use those, right? You may want to use it personally or you may want to use it professionally as a part of maybe a marketing site or even a part of your own software, right? So what we discovered is, okay, when people come to Summit, really what we need to do is help them decide or help them raise their hand and say, you know, this is the one I am. Are you here to learn how to build models in Summit, right? Like to hack, as you said earlier, or are you here because you wanna use a model that somebody else has already built, right? And that's almost like coming to say Zillow or Airbnb and you're like, I'm either here to host my place or to become a host <laughs> or I'm here to find a place to stay in, right? And those are very different 
goals, but Airbnb, Zillow, and we hope Summit can serve both. And you know, I think about something maybe on the, more on the technical side, like GitHub. Like you may be at GitHub to host your own code, but you might be there because you're browsing packages and you're looking to get code that you can use, you know, in your own software. So we think that's what the market wants: is that yes, some tiny percentage of people will actually take it on themselves to learn the language, and we want to educate all of those folks to become experts. We then want to help those experts build, share, and publish models in the forms of templates, apps, and microservices that then other people can come along and browse and say, oh, this is cool. Like, I want to, I, I, I have an e-commerce SaaS. So I have a SaaS product for e-commerce companies. I would love to have like an inventory simulator or a scenario planning feature inside my own product. But like building that from scratch is not easy. Like I need to build a simulation. I need to like manage all these cues and numbers. And basically, what are you doing? You're building a, a feature that really is a modeling space. And so what we realized is, wait a minute, you know, just like you can go to open source software and find a package for that, for some things, why can't you find a model, right, on Summit for you to have a calculator on your marketing site or build a feature in your SaaS product or just play with and use as a... Do I have enough money for retirement? There's a ton of models out there for that. You know, just come to Summit and pick one and just use it, right? You don't have to right. you don't have to be the the builder. And so we we basically realized, duh, you know, this is a this is a place where some people want to create and some people want to use. And that's just like any of these other spaces on the internet where most people go to YouTube to watch videos, not to create videos, you know. And we're going to serve both. Um and I think in doing so, that's just a much bigger opportunity than trying to get, you know, I'm not trying to turn everybody into, you know, a summit expert, you know, um, but we think that the whole world can benefit from using summit models. And that's going to be our strategy, sort of our platform strategy. Right. That makes sense. And I was trying to think of what side of that equation I would be on. And I think like I, I dove into one of the pre-built templates to like to try to figure out if I could get something gleam some information out of it for uh, for Chipper, mm-hmm. which is neat. So I, I definitely like dove into the pre-built template space there. Also learning SEL sell sounds mm-hmm. fun to me, but of course I'm a programmer, so maybe it would. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, we think there's going to be some bleed, you know, I think there'll be some bleed over. Like, you know, just I, I do think that if you use the things that is sort of on the road to wanting to learn how they work, you know, it's like if I can use an app or if I can use an open source, if I can use a product where the code is sort of open source and you can take it apart and figure out how it works, that's sort of right, a step yeah. in the journey of learning something. And it also can inspire you to go, well, this is really cool. I want to learn how to make these things. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, some people are going to dive in and say, like, I want to learn X. And other people, like you said, are going to come in and say, like, I'll let me see the benefits. Like, is this really better? Like, what can you build with this that's, you know, that's different, right? Um, so, yeah, I think... This is uh, taking us a long time to figure this out. It sounds so basic, but <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> when you're when you're in your own forest, you really don't have. You get all these conflicting signals. You like you get half the people telling you they don't want to learn this thing, and then the other half telling you how excited they are to learn this thing. And you're like, right? Ah, what's going on? Are we like failing? Or are we <laughs> succeeding? You know, it's like so. And you're like, wait a minute, those are just different modes. You're like, oh, okay. You know, which one are we going to serve? You know, and then it's like, do we pick one and focus and yeah, it's a classic startup challenge, right? Of, you know, all right. these hard questions. 
it almost sounds like a two-sided marketplace, but I don't know if that really fits in with with what this is. Yeah, um, it, it, it's two two segments, yeah. but like not necessarily like polar opposites. Like uh, like one isn't providing for the other, or I guess kind of one is providing for the other. If one is building the templates and the other people are consuming them. Yeah, I like the Airbnb example because you can travel and use other people's spaces, but you can also become a host and right. use, you know, it's at the same time. And that's software, right? It's like you can put your own code on GitHub and you can use other people's code on GitHub. And there's there's not really a, um, I think that's the nice part is that if those were super different, like you're either buying on eBay or selling on eBay, but nobody ever does both, right? Right. I think that th- those kinds of marketplaces get constrained really easily because you don't get that cross over. But mm-hmm. I'm optimistic that we will get crossover in ours by serving both sides. Yeah. Right, and it makes sense for that type of usage. I think, like, I would, I would probably try to do both if I was gonna like really dive in there and play with it. Which if, really if is I contrary mean, to I, most advice, right? Most advice is like you can't do two. <laughs> always focus, right. pick one, right? Um, right, but you have to find what fits for your business, I guess, which is always kind right. of the interesting challenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so if you don't mind, can I? I have would love some yeah. advice on some Let's stuff related it. to Chipper, which kind of like relates to this also. All right, so it's a continuous integration app, right? So I have a, um, I guess I have an audience in the Laravel space, which is why this came about. So it's it's tailored to Laravel. So in a sense, it is niched down way in a place that might be too small, but I don't know. It's, it's still a big community. Like the number one language in the world is still like web. It's still PHP, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, I believe and, it. <laughs> right, I choose to believe that. It's big either way. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Forever, the pricing is just from 39 bucks a month. And then the only ex- other way you could pay more is through expansion revenue through paying for more concurrent builds. So like if you have three projects and four developers and they all are pushing, you don't want people waiting for one project to finish building before the next one starts. So mm-hmm. you basically multiply that 39 bucks a month each time you want like a, another concurrent build, which is a model mm-hmm. I, I basically ripped off of other continuous integration apps, you know, in 2019 when I was building it, looking at their pricing. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess I'm talking about pricing, but I have a bunch of issues. Like the real issue is top of funnel, right? I want more people to know about this thing. Mm-hmm. So the strategy I've been doing there, I'm just going to back up for a second. The strategy I've been doing to get more people into the app is to focus more on ways that more people could just come around and seeing the application. So mm-hmm. if you think about a lot of continuous integration apps have a YAML file in the repository to define the build steps of what happens, like, you know, build your static assets, run your tests, deploy somewhere. Yep. Um, we never had that, which was kind of our aim of simplicity, but I've changed that. I've added that in the last few months because I also want people to see that that file exists and just see like, oh, this application exists, like as a, as a mm-hmm. way to get visibility to the application. At the same time, I'm also doing more features source open source so people could set their project as public, which means like the build results get shown on a public page that people can see. It's not hidden behind a login. Mm. So the results being like, this is the build That's output good. for your tests and that kind of thing. And then the next step of that is like to let people apply, apply as an open source project. So if I approve you, which I think I need an approval process at first, then you can get unlimited builds for, for free on the free tier, basically for a specific project rather mm-hmm. than your whole team. Cause the whole thing is kind of team based, the application. Okay, so that's my idea of growth that I'm I have worked towards. So I'm hoping to get more top of funnel there as well. You know, just to see, you know, just get more visibility to the project. In addition to talking about it on Twitter and you know doing some content stuff. 
Mm -hmm. The next step there is my ideas for extra features and extra features leading into different pricing tiers. So I have that $39 a month plan, and that's really it, other, unless you are one of the few people who pay for concurrent requests and are concurrent builds. And I say mm -hmm. a few. It's like, it's definitely, it's, a, it's an okay amount of people, but it could be more. But also, I think the pricing, you know, being this huge lever I have to increase MMR potentially... It's something I haven't given enough thought of until kind of recently. Mm -hmm. I've seen tweets before you before where you have ideas about how pricing strategy could really help you out, which is why this question exists, uh, why I <laughs> thought of talking to you about it. Yeah. So one other thought of this, so other, you know, we can kind of dive into like what pricing ideas I have if you want and like what features might make sense for that. But the other interesting aspect of the Laravel world specifically is kind of there's this downward price pressure because Taylor Atwell, who made Laravel, has his own offerings. Like, are you, I don't know how familiar you are with the, kind of the Laravel community. I know you're I kind am, of in the Python I am space. Through, yeah, I am through osmosis because Peter Soom is uh, very close, I think, to the community. Right. So, um, yeah, just through him. So, and um, PHP was the first language that I that I learned, but, um, right, but it's I been a long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Taylor Atlow made the framework. He has, you know, has all the open source stuff, but he also has paid things. Uh, Laravel mm. Forge, which like sets up servers for you and and makes it very easy to manage servers. And then Laravel Vapor, mm -hmm. which is like a serverless version of that. Yeah. And other things also, like things that are one-off purchases to provide functionality to your applications, all sorts of stuff. The prices for those tend to be low. There's kind of a lower price pressure in the Laravel world for for applications like that recognizing that maybe think i wonder if i actually want a a low tier price point somewhere and then mm -hmm. also obviously I have opportunities to increase to like more like 50 bucks a month and then 100 bucks a month plus for you know depending on what kind of features there are or, or paying for larger servers and that kind of thing and i didn't know if that set off like alarms in your head or if like i don't know if that's even enough detail to give you a good idea but i don't know if that made sense as a as a strategy like it's kind of more so, of a volume play at the, at that level, but also room to grow to to larger plans. Sure. So I, I can I, I'll start peppering you with questions uh, to try to triangulate something here. That's so, uh, are are you freemium now, or is it free trial? It's freemium, I believe. Yes, it was a free okay. trial for like the first few months. So then we switched to freemium. A lot okay, of so which is because every continuous integrate in every CI application like just does that. And it makes sense to get developers yeah. in the door and then get started yep. and get integrated. And then, you know, when they hit limits to pay for it. Can I, uh, and I, I don't know how much I want to ask you, well, you already shared your revenue, so you're probably pretty comfortable with some of this. I'll just ask what, what's the ratio roughly of like free to paid in terms of your starter versus standard tiers? Talking ninety nine to one or something else. <laughs> Let me. It's so hard to answer this question, and the reason is because of time. Because I don't know if I should think about this in terms of cohorts. This also gets into the question of what's my conversion ratio of, of free to paid, but I don't know yeah. how to measure that because it's freemium. So people might be around for six months before they pay, or they might be around for a week, and there's, yeah. there's no and, set and if it... time limit. <laughs> I don't know if this might be like freemiums and freemium freemium companies anonymous or something a confession, but like I don't really <laughs> know our conversion rate either. I have a ratio. I have a rough. We sort of back into it from a ratio. Like, okay, this is how many active users we have. This is how many paying customers we have. If that ratio holds, then we're converting active users 
and we feel good about that. If that ratio doesn't hold, then we're failing at like converting people who are active in the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or if the ratio goes too high, you're like, wow, 100% of our active users are paying customers. It could be because your active user pool is too small and your problem is activation, not conversion, right? So Right. Uh, and actually, yeah. yes, which I'm hoping as part of the case. So as you might mm. imagine, the ratio from free to paid is... Uh, High or low? I don't, you know, there's many few less paid people. Yes. I mean, I think that not to go back to square zero, (laughs) but I think the first thing to do if you haven't already, and maybe this is more for our listeners, is like make sure you have your numbers, you're measuring them consistently, and you feel good about what they mean, even if they're not industry standard, like you know what they mean, so that you can Mm -hmm. get a good view of the the river, the pool, the pipeline in your own mind. So with that said, how do you feel about your sort of activation to okay. conversion I'm, rate? I'm yeah. coming up with a number. <laughs> yeah. I have the database yeah. open. I'm making queries. Cool, cool. While you do that, I I, I think that the, what we're driving towards here is like you start about pricing. We didn't even talk about retention. I'm assuming if somebody's using Chipper CI in a production sense or setting, it's probably pretty sticky. Like they don't want to, if it yes. works and they're happy, they don't want to get rid of it. So you don't have a leaky bucket problem. Yes. But Definitely. you might have a, so what problems might you have? Top of funnel, maybe, but you're freemium. So if people aren't signing up, you know, that's an interesting optimization thing. But usually when you have freemium, it's like a lot of people who come to your homepage don't have any reason to not sign up. You might have a, wow, that's a lot of active users who aren't converting problem. Uh, mm-hmm. Or you might have a, that's a lot of people who click the button, sign up, and then don't become active, right? So uh, I guess what I'm saying is before you focus on very top of funnel, you know, you might have a lump somewhere in your <laughs> in your snake here <laughs> that, right. you know, just needs to work through. <laughs> okay. That makes a lot of sense. So... Uh, let's see. I can see we get like in the twenties of people signing up per week. So monthly that ends up being in sixties. Okay. Variable a bit. These there's like, there's just under a hundred, I guess I'll just say there's just under a hundred paying customers of various MRRs, mostly the lowest MRR 39 a month, some higher Mm -hmm. because they pay for more concurrency. There's like over 2000 users in it, 2200 ish. And these users are ones I'm counting because you can add invite team members. So these are not people who are invited into teams. They're actually like the people who first sign up. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not including all the team members in there. I'm ex- excluding them. So I don't get a number that's not. Yeah. I don't get the number that's wacky. So hopefully that's sure. a more accurate representation. So that is what, like 4%? Am I thinking of that number right? 97 divided by 2200? Uh, yeah, uh, cause, uh, out of 2000, are we talking mm. about out of, so it's a ratio. So we basically hundred to 2000. So yeah, four, four or 5%. Yeah. So that's what that is. And I, yeah. we get, it's like, you get consistent signups and I, I recently put in a thing of like, how did you hear about us? So a lot of it is like, we're mentioned in the Laravel documentation or we saw me tweet about it. So like the avenues that I have tried to get into, including like getting into like the Laravel documentation for, for things is like, it's kind of working and I can, I want to do a lot more of that. So the top of the funnel can keep going. But then I think what you, I, I 
hope, but I should do more investigation here. But what I hope is that you are correct. You hit the nail on the head when you said like the activation is kind of the thing. You have like a lot of people coming in, but only a few activate. And that's kind of where I'm at with the, the pricing tier stuff and like features I want to build, but then also adjusting, you know, currently what we have now, like you get 50 free builds a month, which might be too high. And then the pricing strategy around that gets into like, well, how to, what's optimal to like give people value immediately the myth they'll want to get out of the free tier. Yeah. Why are people hesitant to pay if, if they're hitting free tier limits and that kind of thing. Um, and it is, like you said, the site is very sticky. The churn is like super low and, and low single digits, like even as low mm -hmm. as 1% sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of activation, I think. I, I think so. Well, yeah. Bef so if we dice that up a little bit before we get to activation, so mm -hmm. when 20 people a week or so sign up, they go into that 2000 bucket, correct? They, mm -hmm. Or that pool yeah. of 2000. And then, um, and then some of them may just leave and never come back. And some of them become sort of your definition of an active user, right? Mm -hmm. What is your definition? What, uh, an active user, I imagine is just some, let, let's for a second, the simplest definition would be like, they actually use the product on a free, you know, often enough basis, right? So monthly, yeah. weekly, it's like daily. Setting up a project is definitely a thing because otherwise they've done nothing. Uh, and mm -hmm. then whenever they push code to get, then it kicks off of a build. So okay. like actually seeing builds happen is a thing, you know, assuming they're actually pushing code to their repositories. Do you have a number on like roughly how many of those 2000 are doing work uh, with the tool on any given basis? per anything so uniques per something which then is going to be the sort of uh washing machine where like well this person only does it every other day this person does it every day and so it's like it it becomes I turbulent yeah right? i don't have it broken out by like by team or customer there so but i do have graphs of like how many builds are happening and that kind of thing per day but that's not okay that's like i said it's not tied back to, to yeah specific teams i would be interested if i were you i'd be interested in that because we failure to truly activate, like become an active user. Um, like how many of those 2000 are becoming those? Cause that, that, that is the group that may upgrade. You're really, your upgrade right. candidates are just the set of people who use the tool um, as intended. Mm -hmm. So and I actually have some um, metrics in my head of, of what makes sense for that. Like setting up a project obviously is one. Mm -hmm. If they've, if they've created notifications so that they actually know the result of a build is another big one. Like if, if they yeah. don't care about the results, then like, what are they doing here? And then there's some other <laughs> things that like, those are kind of easy to track. I can like make queries for that. And there's other things mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily as easy, but like, do they deploy from this? Like if, if they run tests, but then nothing happens and there's no deployment step, then, yeah. you know, and there's a yeah. mix of people doing, doing that or not. Some people do deploy from it, kick off a deploy from it and some do not. So setting project, oh, if they invites members is another clue that like, you know, so I have all these things that I have actually have thought of and planned on <laughs> making metrics yeah. for, but I haven't gotten to that stuff yet. And those are, those seem like kind of the obvious clues or things like where people might actually convert to paid if they're doing all of these things. Yeah, I do. So taking a step back, like I, <laughs> you don't have a leaky funnel, but you might be leaving value on the table. And I, I do think I, I like to build bottoms up, meaning retention is the first thing to solve. Like if nobody sticks around and uses the product regularly, 
you don't have a foundation. So you don't have that problem, but you have the problem of getting them to that state where they are sticky, like the product Mm -hmm. is sticky for them. Um, But then the question is like a a strong pricing model that sort of has this inevitable tractor beam on it of like conversion, conversion, like people, like whether it's six months or six weeks or six hours, people convert almost inevitably (laughs) if they succeed with the product that's the pricing model you want to have and so i wanted to like sort of hold out the lantern and see how much how dark and murky your understanding of like the pipeline is before this Mm. and it sounds like you could improve your understanding of it the what you can do though to work on your pricing models you don't have to understand all that you can at least look at the people who are active and say like is my capture fair sort of relative to their journey and the the thing is maybe on the top end you're maybe on the top end you know it's it's work there's two ways to look at this it are they paying me more as they succeed and have more success with the product and get more value out of it the other thing that though is say like starting at 39 and having that initial hurdle there you may not be capturing the value underneath that part of the curve which is like all of the, you know, all the $5 a month Heroku bills <laughs> that, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, to use those cheap examples of like, yeah, 39 is a pretty decent initial hurdle. And, you know, I think a strong pricing model is better than higher prices, meaning if you can figure out how to get, you know, $9 a month out of more of those 2000 times whatever percent is active, right? then then you're going to feel better about focusing on the rest of your pipeline and just saying like awesome you know people go from zero dollars to five dollars or nine dollars a month pretty soon and pretty inevitably and you're not like waiting for them to have this tripwire down the road which who knows like the percentage of people that actually hit that hit that wire you know if it's too high you could be missing out on just like a lot of no-brainer value like the person's Mm -hmm. totally willing to give it to you but you're just not asking for it and that can be silly stuff like you know by by silly i mean you're in the pricing zone for like you know four five nine twelve dollars a month fifteen dollars a month whatever it is like this isn't relevant to chipper ci but this is the zone of like oh you want to color things a different color or you want to put your logo on something or you want like a you want a, a, a whatever domain name your own custom domain, like those are $9 a month features, right? And they're often vanity features that I'm trying to say because uh, it's such a small amount of money that all you have to do is just give somebody a justifiable reason that appeals to their either, right. you know, pride, ego, just the way they like to work. You know, I like to have a black background, so I'm worth it, you know? And like, that's not a, it's a no brainer for them because there's almost this, um, yes, there's utility value and you can get into like AWS utility value pricing, but I'm almost talking about like for you, don't just think about utility value. Think about like, what are just little things, rough edges that, um, that are fair to be there in the free version. But if you pay anything at all, you can like not, you can customize that or change this or whatever. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think that's a pretty exciting opportunity especially since whatever that is 
isn't going to cannibalize the $39 version, I'm guessing, because it'll be such right. a baby step. Yeah. Such a baby step above free, you know? Um, it's, yeah, it's the, I actually want to pay for this thing and I don't need much of a reason because it's so cheap. But for you, it adds up because, you know, 500 times whatever that number is, is like maybe double your current revenue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that feels like a pretty good opportunity if you can yeah, find. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm excited. I think. Feature. <laughs> <laughs> there is features. I have to actually add in features. I have plans uh, that dovetail nicely in with your idea because I've, I haven't said it to myself so succinctly, but what you're saying is definitely aligned with how I've I've started to think about it in the last month or so. And there's some features I have planned that really kind of, like I said, kind of dovetails in with that, like kind of smaller step, like um, like maybe allowing like one build step to be run concurrent. So you could do like your Node.js assets at the same time as your unit or at the same time as like your PHP dependencies, nice. you know, you, so you save time in your overall build by like running, you know, it's like Ooh, yeah. not huge, nice. but it's a thing like that. And then there's always the option of like, hey, I want more RAM and more CPU, which could be maybe a theme that you can do in any pricing tier. I don't know. Or mm-hmm. or maybe at a higher pricing tier is a higher one. Like I have to kind of think through that some more. But those are the variables. Like if you have a limited number of builds per month or not, concurrent builds, which is the thing I said that how you can do expansion revenue right now, you can multiply your current concurrent builds. But there's also concurrent build steps where you might do two things at the same time within one build. Like mm-hmm. I just said, the mm-hmm. Node.js assets at the same time as your PHP dependencies. Um, yeah. And there's some other stuff, like if I support, if I let you use Docker or not, which has like a real cost because I have extra servers that are related to that and the usage of secrets or managing secrets for your application. And there's like all sorts of ideas I have. Like, I don't know yeah. if I'm getting into all these ideas, but um, yeah, I need to actually I, build some of them and then like I can price on them, you know? Yeah. I think if you just had a little basket, think of it as like a gift basket where some things are delightful, like unexpected little nice things that wow, that's cool. And then other things are like real friction removers because there's going to be probably three or four of these little tripwires that you need to put in place to bound a free user. And everyone's mm-hmm. got like a different situation or or work environment where this is the thing that matters to them. Like I need two of this instead of one, or I want to be able to do this, or I want that concurrency because I do have the assets thing. But if right. you can create like maybe three or four of these, then... You know, it doesn't really matter to you which one causes them to, to, to do it. It could be the superficial one, or it could be the, you know, the one that has real, you know, cogs and utility about it. Right. But that feels really good, and then you get to keep all that when you go to the bigger tier. But then, yeah, then then you can just focus on okay, since I don't end up just, <laughs> I I'm not starving for revenue until they hit this larger hurdle. You can then focus on the the funnel upstream with a lot more focus because you're not like well even if i get them active like are they going to convert ever you know like mm-hmm. just you can feel confident about that focus um and it, it, you know if you think about it actually given your numbers and your revenue this little this little tier could be you know it could be it could be substan- substantial it seems like lift, it, right, right. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it, yeah it, it could be and the fact that it's cheap, you know, lines up well with what you said earlier about, um, you know, uh, Taylor Otwell and, and his offerings or, you know, just kind of the dev community or especially DevOps. Like there's this expectation that the ramp, I like to say the ramp goes all the way to the floor. You know, it's like right zero to one dollar, <laughs> like whatever, however, it's like a skateboard ramp, however 
then you can get that wedge. Like that's what people yeah. expect. And, <laughs> you know, um, which is why credit cards on file and zero dollars and usage-based pricing is so popular because it's like, you know, everyone's gotten an S3 bill or a lot of people have gotten an S3 bill for like 52 cents and you just kind of laugh. Yep. And Amazon's the one that's laughing because they're like, the yeah, exactly. But Amazon's the one that's laughing because they're like, yeah, but, you know, a lot of those 14 cents become $14 and then $1,400. <laughs> and like, you'd be surprised once you have that card on file, like what starts to happen. So, yeah. Um, if, you know, that's the other thing you're doing too, is like you're having them give you their credit card when the gravity of the decision is just a lot less. And mm -hmm. that makes expansion revenue just so much easier because if you don't have to take out your credit card to expand, you're just much more likely to click the button and not worry about it because, you know, it's right. already a bill. You're already paying for it. You, you sort of made that decision already to become a paying customer of this thing. You know, what's another $30 a month? Well, like for you, it's like tripling, it's like tripling the revenue. Exactly, but for right. them, it's, it's actually like not as stressful uh, as it would be if they weren't right. paying you a few bucks already. So yeah, already. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's exciting. And I am glad to have a little bit of validation of that idea because I've always been like, well, I just need to charge more. I'll just raise a 39 to 49 or something. And I'm just like, it doesn't feel I think that's the traditional. <laughs> yeah, I do. I do think that's the, unfortunately, that's like the superficial interpretation of the charge more philosophy is like, right. it should really be capture more, you know, not have higher numbers, you know, like a better pricing model is, is way better. What, what we're basically saying is you've got a lot of zeros that you could lift to non-zero right that's where the opportunity lies instead of mm. you know zero to ten is a lot better for you than 39 to 49 because you know then you can keep the 39 as well um, right plus I, I think like tradition would say that more than one pricing plan is just good for psychology and consumer psychology and you yeah. know people may for sure because right like, now it's just yeah. zero 39 or enterprise which literally no one has ever asked me about <laughs> yeah. I mean, in a weirdly weird way, this may draw attention to the 39 and have people mm -hmm. go like, you know, that makes sense. too. Yeah. The 10's fine, but why not just, you know, if I'm going to pay for this thing, you know, um, it's funny. I mean, that's the, up, that's the, uh, waiter who comes to you and tells you like, well, yes, this is our standard offering, but the, the special of the day is, <laughs> and then you're like, yeah. ah, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking of spending that or getting that, but like, now that you've anchored me, you right. know, that I'm exactly. going to spend something. Or, or they go like, yeah, that's okay. But this one over here is a little better. And it's like an extra $12 or something. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the large popcorn is only 50 cents more. You're like, and it's like nine times bigger. <laughs> like, it's like, dang. Yeah, that's good. So you can start to have fun. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't know if that, that was fun to chat about. I'd like to hear how it goes if you, you know dive into some of these things for sure I, yeah for sure um man that's exciting so i on my side i what i'm hearing is i need to get some feature development done which is what i've always known i've actually just got some freelance help from someone and we're gonna see they, they just started so we'll see how it works out but it looks really good so far which will really free up some time for me potentially for uh stuff right because i actually do have a job <laughs> that i have to do yeah for sure <laughs> while trying that's... to grow this thing and <laughs> two kids oh my god um, oh, my yeah. kids are four and two. So like the, um, the podcast you did with Aaron Francis on his podcast, like really resonated with me. It was just how hard it is to like balance kids and keep oh, the family happy. Make sure my wife I'm is very not, impressed like, by the floor behind you. It's so clean. Like either the toys oh. are all 
to the right of, or left of uh, yeah, it's all like those are the boxes, yeah, yeah. but the, the, they're yeah. all there. They're all there. <laughs> they're all they're around. Yeah, exactly. If I could turn this yeah. more, you'd see the kids like iPads and drunk on this desk, like right to my left. Of so course, cluttered. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I uh, yeah, we have four who are pretty grown up now. Our youngest are twelve. We have twelve, two twelve-year-olds, twins, a fourteen-year-old. Sorry, mm. eleven, two eleven-year-olds about to turn twelve, fourteen-year-old, uh, and a seventeen-year-old, and. Uh, Boy, that four-two stage, you know, where <laughs> just con- you know they get harder because like when they're when they're really really little, it's like are they fed? Have they had had a nap? Right. Do they exactly. need anything? Then they just okay, put them in the crib. They'll play. They'll you know, whatever. But like two and four, man, there's no containment. <laughs> it's yeah. just a- and, like um, and everyone says terrible twos. <laughs> I I do not understand how terrible twos became the 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 meme because three and four is like a whole other level. I'm <laughs> like, what is going on here? Yeah, Terrible Twos was clearly invented by people who uh, who only had that level to deal with, right? Like, right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it, and kids are not terrible, but this just, <laughs> I, I feel for you, man. This, there's a lot of activity going on, so I'm excited. Yep. Their <laughs> entry, energy outpaces yours so much oh, by such a huge degree. For sure, yeah. Uh, and I started amazing. having kids in my 30s. I'm, I'm 37. Um, okay. Yeah. And I just like, I wish I did that in my 20s. <laughs> I'm so much more hey, I, Yeah, well, we were, it was, uh, it was funny. We, we were around other folks who had kids young. Um, and uh, now being in Austin, not as much. Uh, most people seem to wait. But like, you know, I'm 40 and our youngest are 11. So, you know, we, we did, and our oldest is 17. So we were 22 when, we, when, right. when she was born. And I cannot imagine... <laughs> Not, you know, I send you boxes of whatever your favorite caffeinated thing is because uh, it's, it's, but you know, we missed out on like a lot of the standard 20 year old, 20 something experiences. I feel like, like we didn't travel a lot and without a lot of encumbrances, like that that wasn't a thing. Hopefully we get to do that now. It's like, you know, we'll be 44. Yeah, that's true. We can do it in the back end. Going to Europe or something. Right. (laughs) Like having the kids early, like all of a sudden you're 40 and you're like, well, I can do this stuff now. Versus yeah, like, yeah. like um, that's the trade off. That was totally like the trade off. Yeah, exactly. Like being, yeah. I don't know. Being, all right, I don't know. We'll see how it goes for us. But like being in your fifties, sixties, <laughs> when your kids leave the house, sadly, feels a little more grim. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's it's all tra- it's all trade offs, right? That's the funny yeah. part. Uh, it's always whether it's this or that. It's all just like, yeah. What are you What are you choosing to accept or trade off with? So, anyway, I um, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear how it evolves and um yeah happy to talk cool. about more or... all right thanks i appreciate it yeah that'd be great i'll definitely let you know about it i don't know if i'll i sort of have this idea in my head that i could have like a revolving group of guests on the podcast instead of just like trying to find more people so i don't know if that'd be interesting someday in the future but we'll see how it goes yeah i i think that's a cool idea uh certainly it works for uh late night tv so <laughs> right <laughs> work exactly. for a podcast exactly <laughs> If I so, may compare well, myself to late night TV. Yeah, man. Great. Of course. Yeah, yeah. You got high, high ambitions there. But um, yeah. Thanks again, man. Really, uh, really good to chat with you, Chris. Great. Thanks. You too.